0: You know, last week we talked some about David, his lifestyle, and how he demonstrated, uh, you know, God recognizing the potential in him of the next king of Israel, and David lived a life of worship and complete trust in God, and he didn't do those things for glory or to be loved by the people, but he did those things because he loved God and placed that relationship high above all other matters. Today we're going to look at the result of David's anointing and how we can learn to live (laughs) the way we need to live after we are anointed. You know, I would say to you this morning that God is the great door opener. He's the one who opens doors. He's the one who closes doors. And far too often we focus on how to open doors of you know, maybe promotion or attention or advancement or even doors of blessing according to our own strength and talents. We look for opportunities for advancement in in business or maybe even in ministry, and we convince ourselves that if I could just open this door, if I could just open this door, then everything would be great. And we struggle to to try and force God's will uh, for our lives into existence. And we picture ourselves as maybe being pregnant with promise, okay? Like, like God has given this to us and and it's a promise from him and so we push and we push trying to force it into the world. But the truth is is that We are not the one pregnant with the giftings and promises which God has revealed to us. He is. He's the one. It's not about our own efforts, but it has to do with God's timing, where he's at, how he's orchestrating things, and then our ability to pass his tests that are laid out before us. See, we fail to recognize that our part is not the expectant mother, but rather as the carpenter trying to build a house for that promised child or that promised destiny to live in. We are the ones building the the home for that child, for that promise. And the promise is coming, but it's not up to you to bring it into the world. See, rather, your job is to make sure that your house, your vessel, your life is ready to take in the promise of God upon your life. I'm talking about ministry. I'm talking about serving. I'm talking about those opportunities that God brings to us so that we can be ready when that time comes. For us to move forward in the opportunity that God gives to us. See, last week we witnessed David as a man after God's own heart. And in 1 Samuel 16, we're going to be there today for a little while. So if you want to turn there with me, 1 Samuel 16. See, David was anointed in this chapter to be the next king of Israel By Samuel, but not in isolation. He anointed him king of Israel in front of his own family. And he had several brothers and and, and, and quite a large family. But you know, David had gone from being a nobody, an unknown, uninteresting teenage shepherd from the wilderness of Judah and was marked by God to be king of all 12 tribes of Israel, I mean, what a huge task! What a huge undertaking! This wasn't a one and done promise by God, and, and and David wasn't officially reigning as king at that moment. You see, time was needed. I can't stress that enough. Time was needed for David to grow into his calling. He was a shepherd boy. He was, he was somebody that was young. He had no experience. He didn't know what was going on. But you think about that. He's minding his own business. He's doing, taking care of his dad's sheep out in the field. And then he comes into, town, into the house. They call him in and they anoint him as the next king over Israel. I mean, God had to prepare David for this and David needed to prepare the castle of his heart to take in the fulfillment of that promise it was a big promise now how David prepared his heart is determined and demonstrated to us by his character and how he lived his life after being anointed by God I think this is huge because what happens is God combines anointing with opportunity. He combines anointing with opportunity. Not long after David's encounter with Samuel, something began stirring miles away in the house of King Saul. <laughs> David was anointed king and the anointing was being removed from King Saul You see, King Saul struck out. Oh, he had his cuts, but he struck out. Here's here's Saul's strikes. Strike number one. Saul, presumptuously, he had the audacity to offer an offering sacrifice. Okay, this was something that was only reserved for the priests to do. He got impatient decided, you know what? I'm here. The sacrifice is here. I'm going to go ahead and offer the sacrifice. Strike one. Strike two, Saul made an egotistical vow that caused his people to sin and almost cost the life of his own son, Jonathan. Strike two, he was leading the people to sin. Strike three, God told him to completely and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Do not take anything for yourself. It's all contraband. It's all for me, okay? And so what he wanted him to do was totally annihilate the Amalekites. And what happened was he spared the king and he took all the choice livestock for himself. Strike three, strike three for King Saul. Now following his rejection by God, Saul found himself tormented, tormented by a distressing, calls it an evil spirit, harmful, tormenting that affected his sleep and mental state. See, no longer was Saul covered by the, the ruach, the, the breath of God, the air of God, the spirit of God. In the Old Testament, it's called the ruach. It's kind of got a guttural sense on the end of it there, you know, the ruach. In the New Testament, in Greek, it's called pneuma, which is, is, is the spirit. We get pneumatic from it, filled with air, that kind of thing. But what we see here was a bad spirit came upon Saul and tormented him. He wasn't indwelling him, but it was tormenting him. It was picking at him. And you think about this, you know, he was, Saul was afflicted and tormented by these spirits, and and he wasn't being protected by Almighty God. Through his sin and impatience and fear of the people, Saul found himself subjected to the consequences of his actions. As the departure of God's presence left, there was a spiritual vacuum that was in Saul. And it filled with these dark forces which would cripple his mind and life. You know something? It's like fungus that grows in a tree. On the outside, it looks fine. It doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. Everything seems right. But when the crash finally happens And the tree falls The true state of the tree Is seen on the inside See I would submit to you this morning That Israel had been sinning For a very long time Now they wanted a king And so God gave them a king But this king in addition Led them towards sin So he had to go we're going to pick up our story in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, verse 12 and following, it says this, it says, so he sent and brought him in, that was, uh, they, they wanted David to come in, so Jesse sent uh, for him and brought him into the house. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a, a handsome appearance, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I don't want to be that guy. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants said to to him, behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who has a skillful player on the harp, and it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the flock. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David his son. Then David came to Saul and attended him and Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David now stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that even now you would impress upon our minds the truth of your word. Father, show us how we can apply your word to our lives. And Father, that we would do it with diligence. Father, you are greater than anything we can possibly think of. You are greater than anything we could possibly imagine. And Father, we sell you short all the time. So I pray, Father, that we would see you high and lifted up and know that the plans that you have for us are amazing. Father, I pray that you would continue to guide us, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. See, with this mental and spiritual torment of the king, uh, there was a solution sought to try and bring comfort to him in some way. And one of the king's servants recommended this harpist and uh, be recruited to, to help the king find relief. And in that moment, God sprang into action and he moved upon another servant to recommend David to come into King Saul's court. You know, music ministers to our souls in ways like nothing else can. When we're anxious, when we're fearful, when we have things on our mind, music can, can really minister to us. And in verse 18, it says that, that, that David was a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, a handsome man, and the Lord was with him. I love that. You know, what became a problem for Saul was actually transformed into an opportunity for David. But David didn't do anything to earn it. He had nothing to do with it. He was almost just an innocent bystander. I mean, when Samuel, God told Samuel to go anoint one of Jesse's sons, he began to parade these, these sons of his in front of the, the, the prophet. And, and God was saying, nope, nope, nope. And then when David appeared, he said, that's the one. And so he anointed him. And I can imagine, you know, we don't find David here praying for Saul to be afflicted with this spirit. We don't find David reading, you know, going to an audition to try out for Saul's court to be his harpist. God had a plan in place to put David where he wanted him to be and to take the next step in seeing the, the anointing promise be fulfilled. See, this is one of several examples in the scripture where God will confirm his anointing or call on a person's life by orchestrating events to bring that person an opportunity to move forward towards that calling. Folks, he does this in our lives all the time. The problem is we're not ready for it, we're not paying attention. We're not looking for opportunity that God wants to give us. And we don't see it coming. We're so focused on ourselves. We're so focused on right here, right now, that we don't see what's coming down the road. David saw what was coming down the road. He was available. He didn't do anything. It just happened to him, if you will. But we think about this. God is doing it. He anointed David. David didn't ask for it. He wasn't out in the the field saying, oh man, I I hope God anoints me today. He was simply doing what he was supposed to be doing and God pulled him from the field and had him anointed. I think this is big because David didn't advertise himself for this position. He didn't put a resume in with King Saul. It came because at that moment an idea popped into someone's head and a mighty door was opened. A door which David could not have forced open. Folk, this is unlike how it is today which when the distance is no longer an issue. I mean, you think about Gibeah and, and you think about Bethlehem and, and it was considered a significant distance in that day. And for the servant to know of a person like David in an obscure town such as Bethlehem shows how God was involved in orchestrating this situation. See, one day, and maybe not too long since the visit of Samuel, Jesse, the father, is once again faced with uninvited guests in his home. I mean, I'm sure Samuel came in and, and it was like, what's going on? What are we doing? How, what? You know, and, and he's kind of taken back by it. Not too distantly after that, it happens again. This time, it's King Saul's men and they just show up and they're like, where's David at? And he's like, uh, out in the field. Um, and, and, and so it's a time where these messengers came from King Saul requesting David Can you imagine what was going on in the house at this time? I mean, first, the the, the top prophet in all of the nation shows up on their doorstep anointing your son to be the next king. But the existing king has now called your son to come and be in his court. I mean, what a strange assignment when you think about this. God gave David to minister to the man he had been anointed to replace. Oh, I'm sure there were some awkward moments. You know it and I know it. And yet we never find David complaining about God's purposes or his timetable. We never find David complaining about what God is up to or even the time frame. See, David agrees, not like he had a choice, but he agrees to go with the messengers and and begins his journey to Gibeah to stand before the king. And the newly anointed king is going to stand before the rejected king. So when David arrived, he, he welcomed his task to play his harp for the king. He didn't try to provoke or challenge Saul but he did what he could to ease the anguish that Saul was suffering from. Look at verse 21. It says Then David came to Saul and attended him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he's found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul. David would take the harp, play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Folks, we all, we all crave refreshment and well being when we're plagued with anger, when we're plagued with fear or, or sadness. You know, the God of the Bible is the God of peace. According to Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. One who gives his Holy Spirit to everyone who believes in him. And when we're agitated or anxious, we can remember that God's Spirit produces power. It produces love. It produces a sound mind, self-control. See, God's influence in our lives can create a calming effect. One that leads to calm and wholeness. Oh, we see a lot of people who are anxious these days. We see a lot of people who are fearful. We see a lot of people who are sad and and, and mourning many things that they've lost in life. But it's God's presence that gives us that calming effect, that gives us God's peace. I think this this is good stuff here. See, David, the one anointed to succeed Saul, was humble enough to serve him. In this way Now How different is David's attitude Than what many people would have done In the same situation Put yourself in David's situation The reality is that many people Including believers today Would have probably done the exact opposite See our response is typically either To reject serving a king like Saul at all Or if we did go, we would either try to assassinate him or discredit the king so that we could take our own rightful place as king since God has already anointed us to succeed that person. We start usurping God's authority in that. See, our desire much of the time is to take what we perceive as God's calling or promise For our lives, and we try to force it into existence through any means necessary. Well, God called me to this, so, so that must mean I gotta be on staff somewhere. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And so we push and we push and we push. And I wanna say we short circuit God's best for us. Would you serve the king faithfully, or would you try and expedite his departure from the throne? See, this doesn't just happen in business or in politics. But this methodology is just as prevalent in the church where ministry sometimes looks more like a game of thrones than the book of Acts. But still, David did the honorable thing. And he demonstrated why he was a man after God's own heart. He respected the position that Saul had as the anointed of God. And David chose then and continuously over the 14 plus years that followed not to murder Saul and claim his promise from God. In other words, he is God's anointed until God removes him. I'm going to serve him. And for 14 plus years, that's what he did for Saul. Talk about patient. Talk about in tune with God's timing. See, David was faithful. He was honorable and he trusted God above all else. If God said that he would be king, then David trusted that God was in control and his day of fulfillment would come at the appointed time. He didn't need to force it. See, living a life that's been anointed and commissioned by God is a fancy way of saying God has revealed his purpose for you, to you, so get ready for a season of wilderness and training. When we understand what God wants us to do, when we understand his purpose for us, he's taken us to the wilderness to teach us something. Because we don't know what we don't know. That's how God works. Most of the time we think, well, if I surrender my life, if I surrender to him, if I if I say, you know what, Lord, if you want me for ministry, then use me. And immediately we go out and look for some ministry position. You haven't spent any time in the wilderness, you haven't gotten your training yet. You got to go through those before you begin to serve. And what we see Dave, happened in David's life, this is exactly what happened. I mean, anointing does not automatically bring us to blessing and fulfillment. There are necessary steps we need to walk through so that God's purpose and calling on our life doesn't end up destroying us. Because what happens is when we've not been trained, when we've not been through the wilderness, success is our worst enemy. We've not been humbled yet. I like to think of this process as the the four A's of your divine calling. And it's a process that takes us from anointing, that's the first A, to apprenticeship, where you're working under someone, to activation, which is you're actually doing that, and finally to announcement, you actually have that position. I borrowed this from Cameron Conway. But David is an example of these four A's, He was anointed by Samuel. He received his apprenticeship serving Saul as a harpist, as a military commander. Then came his season of activation in the wilderness, leading his followers around through the desert. And finally, the announcement came when he was officially crowned king of Judah and later king of all Israel. See, David isn't alone in going through this process. We see this played out many times throughout Scripture. I mean, we think about Joshua with Moses. He apprenticed under Moses. Elisha apprenticed under Elijah. Paul apprenticed under Barnabas. And and, and Paul, excuse me, Timothy apprenticed under Paul. But it's a necessary progression that helps us to fully mature and to live out the call of God in our lives. I mean, what good is it having an anointing if there's nothing released into the world and and to bring about God's purpose for it? See, all of that happens in these seasons of anointing, of apprenticeship, of activation, of announcement. But you know what? Jesus even spoke on these things, on the anointed, the expectations of the anointed. And Jesus made it abundantly clear throughout the Gospels that he expects us to live, not just like ordinary believers, but also for those who are in ministry and leadership positions. See, when we follow Jesus' words, we're guided to to follow the example of David and to avoid our own natural desires to do the things our way, the same way everybody else does. See, the task of opening the door is not our duty, but our duty is to live a Christlike life, to develop the fruits of the Spirit, so that when the opportunities arise, our hearts are prepared for what happens next. See, at the same time, we need the same humility David demonstrated in serving Saul to ensure that our hearts don't become corrupt or we don't allow God's promises on our lives to become a hornet's nest of pride. Just look at what Jesus commanded us to live like and how we are to pursue not just leadership but the purpose of our lives. In John 13, verse 14 and following, Jesus said this. He said, If I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. And then in Matthew 20, Jesus said this, verse 26 He says, This is it, is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Folks, we cannot allow our jobs, our ministries, our callings, our giftings, or purpose to derail our relationship with God. He comes first. He comes first before everything else. We need to understand that because we cannot allow these things that we are doing, the things that are good, that are profitable, that are beneficial. We can't allow those things to derail our relationship with God or even with other people. See, people are not just tools or commodities to move forward your manifestation of God's promise on your life. They're your fellow brothers and sisters. And no matter what God has called you to be, we have to treat them like they're our brothers and sisters. We cannot allow our calling our ego, our self prescribed vision of ourselves to cloud the view of others or to think of ourselves better than someone else. We serve Almighty God. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Do you know what happened after David became the royal harpist? Nothing. His heart remained the same. Oh, you could see somebody getting puffed up with pride. Man, I'm in the king's court. Look at me. I'm on stage now. Not with David. I'm just a shepherd boy with a harp. We even see an astounding and often overlooked scripture in um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 15. I'm almost done. It says, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. See what happened here? David, the, the mighty hero, the great comforter to the king, did not forget his obligation to his family. He went back and forth between Saul's palace and and his dad's sheep, taking care of his obligations. See, despite his success and royal standing, he still helped take care of his father's sheep. The anointed king of Israel didn't outsource those responsibilities to his family. But David remained faithful, and he didn't allow his anointing or newfound promotion to supersede his God or his family. Big point. As I wrap this up, I'm going to ask our worship team if they would come back up here. You know, over time, over time, more opportunities presented themselves to David. Because of his relationship with God and his humility of heart, he was able to take those opportunities And take another step in seeing his anointing and the promise from God become a reality in his life. But you see, the same truth is available for us today. Maybe we should be less focused on kicking in every door (laughs) for our promises to be fulfilled. Instead, we should be focusing on our relationship with God and the state of our heart so that we can recognize God's opportunities when they appear in our own lives. So as I boil all this down, I just want to ask you a question. What will you do this week to prepare your heart to encounter the opportunities Which God is bringing into your life. They may be some big things. Can your heart handle it? Do you have the humility to handle the grand opportunities that God wants to bring into your life? Do you have what you need in your heart? Is your relationship with Him where it needs to be? Because you see, we have the opportunity to prepare our hearts, but many times we don't. And so we miss the opportunity that God has for us. You know, after we pray, we're gonna have a time of response. The Holy Spirit of God is in this place. And so I just invite you to come forward. If you wanna accept Christ as, for salvation, you do that this morning come forward if you want to follow the Lord Jesus in baptism if you want to become a member and a part of the membership of memorial you come maybe you just want to come and seek God in prayer but when we stand and we sing I encourage you to move as God prompts you loving Father I thank you for this time I thank you for your word and I pray, Father, that we as your people would not miss the opportunity.